morning. Ready to hear the word of God? Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking the other day. You know, Oxford doesn't. There's not a whole lot in Oxford other than college. Um, there's apparently a lot of trees because apparently Oxford is like official tree city. I think they won some award. The trees are good here. Apparently, I don't know why. <laughs> what makes them so good? Um, but we do have a 4th of July parade. And I haven't actually been to the parade. Um, but I did manage to go, as I said a couple weeks ago, did, did manage to go to the 4th of July celebration downtown. And, whoa. First of all, it's packed. I didn't realize it was just like bursting at the seams. Two, we live in a country where we can spend tens of thousands of dollars on things that blow up in, in the sky. I'm not trying to guilt you, I'm just saying. I imagine that. And, 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 I'm, and we live in a country where people can ride things that we call golf carts downtown, a couple blocks, and eat at their choice of food. And as I'm, you know, somebody saved me a seat. And I'm watching it and I'm going, man, it's good to be an American. Amen? Maybe I shouldn't say amen. You know, amen, it's good to be an American. Um, I love this country. I really do. It's a very, very imperfect country. But uh, it's good to be free. But I'll tell you this, though. There is a freedom that exists that makes that freedom seem like slavery. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to draw out this truth. If we sin, sin enslaves us. But if we abide in God's Word, truth liberates us. That's the point. I don't know if you can... That's up there or not. There it is. If we sin, sin enslaves us. But if we abide in God's Word, truth liberates us. That's the point this morning of our text. So if you'd mind, if you wouldn't mind, turning to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. And when you find it, if you could stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're new here, we do this every morning, not because, or every Sunday morning, not because we think that this book is somehow a magical book. We just believe that the person, the, or the, the, the being that wrote this book is the same being that created you. And therefore, we do this out of reverence. And the Word of God says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered Him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. Lowercase f. Let's pray. Father, show us what it means to be free. What it really means to be free. Amen. You may be seated. At the end of our text last week, in the last verse, verse 30, it says that Jesus was saying these things and many believed in Him. That's what it says. Verse 30 of chapter 7. So, or verse, uh, verse, uh, chapter 8, sorry. So our passage this morning starts off with Jesus talking to those who believed in Him. He's talking to His followers, and the very first thing He has to tell them is they need to be free. And the way that they're set free is by knowing the truth, is what He says. Verses 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So essentially Jesus is saying this. Okay, you believe me. That's good. Now here's how you become my disciple. You abide in my word, you know the truth, and the truth sets you free. In fact, matter of fact, that's that's exactly how it works today. We believe in the gospel. We abide in His word. We become disciples of Jesus Christ. We know the truth. He sets us free. That's the Christian life. The problem that we run into today is the very same problem that Jesus is facing with these Jews here, and that's this. They have no idea what it means when He says, the truth will set you free. They don't know what that means. Verse 33, they answered Him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So Jesus is convinced and is telling them that they can't be His disciples until they're set free, and the Jews are convinced they're already free. That's a problem. But what they say about not having ever been enslaved, anybody ever anybody catch something there? That's just wrong. These are either really bad Jews or they're not Jews. What's wrong with a Jew thinking they've never been enslaved to anyone? That's kind of like the biggest part of the Jewish story. It's the reason they celebrate, for instance, the Passover. It's kind of what birthed their entire nation. Being enslaved to who? Egypt. Egypt. These people are either really bad Jews or they don't understand what he means when he talks about being a slave, being free. In verse 38, Jesus explains what He means. Verse 34, sorry. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I'm going to repeat that. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Think about that for a second. Anyone who has ever sinned is a slave to sin. If you've ever committed a sin, you were enslaved to sin. How many people have ever heard of a guy named Kanye West? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. Most people aren't good at it. He's a rapper, or at least he was. Now he's 
famous for being married to a Kardashian. Um, he's a pop star. Kanye says a lot of silly things. He said probably a couple months ago what would probably be his silliest thing he's ever said. It was so silly because Kanye is an African-American and the African-American community didn't like what he had to say. This is what he said. He insinuated that African-Americans were enslaved for 400 years because they actually wanted to be. Which African-Americans didn't take kindly to. This is what he said. Quote, unquote, when you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. Now, we shake our heads and go, man, that was really idiotic to say. And it was. But I think most people view sin the way that Kanye views slavery. This is what I mean. Most people know they're not perfect. Most people on this earth know that they've fallen short of some standard and that what they've done is morally wrong. But most people honestly think that for the most part, they could stop sinning anytime if they wanted to on their own power. Most people think that if they really tried hard and put their mind to it, they could throw off the yoke of sinful living and they could actually start living a righteous life if they really wanted to. Most sinners don't think they're slaves to sin that they could actually just walk out at any time. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, you sin because you're enslaved to sin. You're shackled to it. You sin because you're subservient to sin. You don't control your sin. It controls you. Well. And slaves don't liberate themselves. They have to be set free. Now, I want to be clear. Sin is a choice. But sin isn't just a choice. It's a condition. condition of the heart. Sin is spiritual, moral, even physical bondage, and we're enslaved to it unless we know the truth. Alcoholics Anonymous has a 12-step program. Now, the 12-step program is not the gospel, let's be clear, but it applies Christian biblical concepts to the idea of recovery. I want you to listen really quick to the first three steps. Here we go. See if it sounds familiar. Number one. We admit that we are powerless over alcohol. That our lives had become unmanageable. In other words, admitting I'm a slave to alcohol. Number two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. In other words, admitting, I can't free myself. I need someone else to set me free. Number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. In other words, I've got to stop living for myself and I've got to start being somebody else's disciple. Again, this isn't the gospel, but these principles are ripped from the Bible. And the point is this. If a sinner cannot admit that they are enslaved to sin, like an alcoholic confessing their alcoholism, they have no idea what it means to be free. My dad used to dip. How many people dip? I'm kidding. <laughs> My, grandma, my great-grandmother Todd did till she was 91. That's why I never wanted to kiss her. Um, <laughs> Dad always dipped Copenhagen 
or grizzly. My, I mean, Dad's truck smelled like wintergreen grizzly. I mean, that's what it just, anytime you get in there, it smelled like dip. Growing up, there were dip cans all over our house. Well, in the truck, sometimes in the house. That's when Mom didn't, that's when Mom stepped in. Dad actually stopped dipping last year. <laughs> One of the reasons he said, Dad, why did you, how did it happen? He said, well, you know, grandkids, man, I just can't, I can't dip, you know, I, can't, I gotta be around, I don't want to get cancer with grandkids. I said, you know, my first reaction was, oh, so it wasn't the kids. <laughs> That's where the line is, apparently. He's a good granddad. And I was amazed that dad quit. I mean, I really am. Dad's, dad's like my hero, but dad is a slave to dip. <laughs> One of dad's worst days ever is when they, uh, dad was a PE teacher at public school, and it's the day they told dad he couldn't dip in the gym. Dad didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I just, I said, Dad, how'd you, how'd you do it? And, and, and basically, he finally found victory over dip whenever he came to admit one thing, and that's, he didn't control the dip. The dip controlled him. Well. He needed help. You see, I think he got along for it because he didn't have the stigma of smoking. And it was embarrassing, but when he finally came down to it, he said, I have a problem. And Jesus is waiting for people to confess that very thing about their sin. Part of the slavery of sin is blinding people to their slavery. That's the power of sin. You think you're controlling your sin, it's controlling you. Your anger problem, your jealousy problem, your lust for fame and recognition and reputation, your unforgiveness toward other people, they're all systematic of sin's grip on your heart. Step one is confessing you are a slave. What Jesus is telling these Jews is the very same thing He's telling us today. If you want to be my disciple, you have to start with your slavery problem. It doesn't matter if you were born in America. It doesn't matter if you were born in the best country on earth. It doesn't matter if you were born in a nation where we have more rights and privileges than any civilization that ever existed. When you were born, you became subject to the same sin that every single human being has ever had to face. You are no different. You are a child of Adam. We live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Thank God. We've been given more freedoms than our ancestors could ever imagine, yet our hearts are just as dark and idolatrous as anyone else that's ever breathed. One of my favorite quotes from the American Revolution was actually uttered by a person that would never claim to have been a Christian, Benjamin Franklin. At the Constitution Convention in 1787, a woman walked up to Benjamin Franklin and asked, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? And he replied, A republic, if you can keep it. I love that. Benjamin Franklin understood something that a lot of professing Christians don't today, and that is political freedom without moral integrity won't last. And moral integrity doesn't grow on trees. You have to be set free from sin. These Jews were liberated by the hand of God from Egyptian slavery. And what Jesus is saying is you're still slaves. 
In America, we have fought for freedom from the yoke of tyranny. We have toppled dictators. We've defended the weak and the, sl- and the helpless. We've gone to war for the cause of freedom. And yet without truth, we are still slaves. If we sin, sin enslaves us. If we abide in God's Word, truth liberates us. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the trick. You can't know what real freedom is until you know what real slavery is. You might be free from the hand of Pharaoh, Jesus says, but you don't know and you haven't even tasted real freedom yet. Disciples of Jesus Christ are liberated people. We're the freest people in the world. If you call yourself a Christian, what you're telling the world is, I used to be a slave, now I'm not. If you call yourself a Christian, you say, I used to to abide in the world, now I'm abiding in the Word. If you call yourself a Christian today, what you're saying is, I used to be a slave to sin, now I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. Something I think might be offensive for many Christians, and some Christians, and a lot of Americans to hear this, whether you're in Adam or you're in Christ, whether you are unsaved or whether you're saved, you are always someone's slave. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Here's something to think about. There's no democracy in heaven. You ever thought about that? I'm sorry. I just gotta say this. Am I the only one who just, just gets, gets fed up with these political commercials? It's like you can't have a political commercial unless you attach an adjective to someone's name. Shameful David Schaefer and corrupt Cable. There's no integrity. There's no righteousness. And I think what Jesus is saying is, just wait because there's a king coming and he stands true. His word is true. He does what he says. He walks in a white robe. And from his mouth comes a sword. I think that's what history is teaching us is, oh, we're waiting for a ruler who's going to rule well. You know, our king, he's good, he's kind, he's generous, he lays down his life. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to admit, I'm a slave to Jesus. That's what Paul says, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, doulos. Christians are free slaves. Think about that. If someone cannot suffer to be called a slave for Jesus, they are still a slave to devil. Verse 38, I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. People who are enslaved to sin have one father, and that's Satan. Jesus is saying, I'm doing what my daddy told me, you're doing what your daddy told you. You know, when, when light breaks through into someone's heart, he does it through the means of the Word, but the, the, the Spirit is the one that goes in there and changes somebody. But He does it through the means of the Word. I really wish Daryl Ellison were here right now. He's not. I'm going to make him listen to this sermon. But we were in small group a couple months ago, and 
we were going through Mark. Y'all were, y'all were there. I know you were. And Daryl is, is inquisitive. He asks a lot of questions, which is a good thing, I, I think. And Daryl, one night, his eyes raised up and he goes, wait. This is exactly what he said. He says, so everything in the Bible is about Jesus. And I went, that's right. He goes, huh. That was truth breaking into Daryl. That was how the light gets turned on. You know, we think about the power of God. When we, when we think about God doing miracles, we think about lame people walking. We think about deaf people hearing and mute people speaking. And that's true. But the power of God is in moments like that. Where someone was blind and then there was light. How do we become free from sin? We know the truth. How do we know the truth? We abide in His Word. Verses 35 through 36. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. One of the first things I noticed when I moved to Georgia were there's so many beautiful antebellum homes. Just old homes. There's one, I forgot, Lee knows what it's called. But Lee stated it. The big white one. What's the big one in Covington? It's like the best looking antebellum home. I, got I want to try to stay in it. It's a, basically a bed and breakfast, I think. Yes, I think. When I saw that thing, I was like, there ain't nothing in Kentucky that beautiful. <laughs> and you look at it and you go, my goodness, that thing is gorgeous. Now, I don't know about that home, but having come from Louisiana, there's a lot of Annabelle homes there too. Right on the river. And they got those large live oaks that come up. And they look gorgeous. And then you walk around to the back. And usually, if they're authentic antebellum homes, you'll eventually see what off to the side? Slaves' quarters. It's gorgeous. And you want to go, oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. And then you look at the back and you, you kind of want to cry. Because it was built on the backs of degraded and mistreated and enslaved people. But imagine if the son of one of those homes came outside, walked into the slaves' quarters, and said, I want you all to stop what you're doing. My son is going to do all your work. And I want you to move into my house. And I'm going to share my table with you. And I'm going to call you a son. I just don't think human history has ever recorded something like that. That's the gospel, my friends. That is the God we serve. The Master came out of the house. He sent His Son to do our hard labor. He set us free. And He called us into the big house. Can we refuse that Gospel? Can you say no to that God? Continuing in your sin, continuing under the yoke of sin, is like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to stay in the slave quarters. Servitude in the house of God is 10,000 times better than freedom without a home. I want to stay in the big house. Because of Jesus, I, Abi Todd, can proudly declare I am a slave to Jesus. I am a slave, but I'm freer than any man alive. This world says that you are free and that you get to choose 
your own truth. The gospel says that you're not free and that truth had to choose you in order to become free. I want you all to listen to this. In John chapter 18, verses 37 through 38, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. Pilate said to him, So you're a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this, person, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? 2,000 years later, and our world still has no idea what truth is. You know, Jesus never answers Pilate's question, What is truth? But I think if he did, what he would have said is, Just watch. Because everything we need to know about God, everything we need to know about ourselves, everything we need to know about His character, everything we need to know about the world, everything we need to know about truth of the capital T, then we can see it in a crucified Christ. Jesus dying for His people as the Lamb of God is the focal point of every single event in human history. Why don't you show that picture that I've got, um, Quinn? You do? Okay. That's called photosynthesis. Some of y'all are like, I don't know where I was going here. <laughs> you take molecules of carbon dioxide and you add some molecules of water, you add light, and you get sugar and oxygen. Oh, which by the way, we need to breathe. And that is happening hundreds and hundreds of trillions of times out there. Every single second. Wow. And just... You would never see that. And I was marveling at that because I was standing out in the woods the other day and I'm like, it doesn't need me to be its audience. It's happening to the glory of God constantly. Here's the thing. That's not truth in the way that the Bible defines it. That's called scientific fact. Here's the truth. Every single plant was created to do that to the glory of God. And the God that breathes life into the trillions of plants gave up His own life so that we could reign with Him in the new heavens and the earth. I mean, there are a lot of scientists out there that understand botany real well. Here's my point. Until they know the truth, they don't understand anything about plants. And there are a lot of people that don't know nothing about plants. But because they know Jesus and the gospel, they know the truth about plants. If someone doesn't know the truth, if someone does not abide in God's word, Jesus says they cannot be free and they know nothing. As a pastor, it gives me so much joy to hear that my people are abiding in the Word. That's what gives me joy. Girls D group, right now, meeting in Hebrews. My small group on Wednesday night, we're in Mark. Josh Jameson, for example, reading the book of Revelation. When I see a church abiding in God's Word, what I see is free people. 
we're in the middle of an election right now for the governor of the state of Georgia, Trump going to Russia. You hear all this stuff about freedom. What freedoms we hold dear. But I want y'all to take solace in this. It is very possible to have every political freedom in the First Amendment taken away from us. Right to bear arms, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. It's very possible to have all those stripped away. But if we have Christ, we would still be more free than any king or queen on this earth. That's the truth. And that truth will set you free. Friends, let me ask you this morning. What could God give us that is better than Himself? Where could we find more freedom than in God Himself? Do we live like free people? Do you have the freedom to love someone who doesn't share your last name? Do you have the freedom to worship Jesus instead of yourself? Do you have the freedom to serve someone other than yourself? Do you have the freedom to get on your knees and serve someone who's less fortunate instead of serving your own interests? Free people are people of the Word, not of the world. This morning I invite you to remember that freedom is not even about you. It's about God. It's about worship. It's about obedience. It's about all those things that the world looks at and goes, well, that's just slavery. And then they look at us on our hands and knees, serving, loving, doing things that don't make any sense, and we go, yeah, but we're free. We are free slaves. And we've come to know that freedom in Christ. If you have never tasted of that freedom today, I invite you to come and believe the truth. Let's pray. Father, we are free people in Jesus' name. Not in our name. Not in our work. Not in our merits. Not in our time. But on His blood. His atoning sacrifice. His purchase. His merits. His work. Father, teach us to live like free people. But we need to start with the truth. And that truth is that your son was sent to die in our place. And Father, if we have that truth, we are free indeed. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.